The God of the universe fashioned our hearts for his indwelling spirit. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in him. The following is from a prayer place gathering. Join us at oneheartonecity.us. Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, He inhabits the praises of his people. Isn't that beautiful? That's so beautiful. Is that as we praise him, his presence just comes. His presence just falls upon us. He inhabits our praises. He makes himself manifest upon us. So glorious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And from this, this posture of his presence, I just want to share with you my testimony. A little bit of what he's done in my life. Okay, not a little bit, a lot of bit of what he's done in my life. He's done all sorts of good. And I just want to give him glory and honor for what he's done. The Hebrew word uh, for testimony, the root word, actually it means to do again. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> to do it again, Lord. Do it again. So what he's done in my life, he wants to do again in your life. Isn't that awesome? So when you share your testimony, what happens? All of a sudden, the environment, the atmosphere shifts. The atmosphere shifts. And faith is made manifest. And faith is the substance of God here on earth. We actually touch him. And he can touch your heart right now through this testimony. So if you hear something that you relates to you, be like, do it again, Lord. Do it again in me. Do it again in me, okay? So if you hear anything that you relate to, just, yeah, receive it, receive it. So I'm, I was born and raised uh, a Catholic uh, by name, right? And my dad, he made sure Sunday Mass was the most important thing. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that, where it was just like, just get your butt to Mass, right? I'd be like, Dad, why? He'd be like, just do it. Or you're not going to see your friends, or you're not going out for breakfast. And let me tell you something. I love myself an omelet. I'm telling you, I did not want to miss breakfast. And so I went to church. I went to church, and you better believe, I, when I knelt, I did not slouch. If my butt hit that pew, then he wasn't going to let me go over to my friend's house. And I was like, okay, okay, sit up straight. Good, good, good. And so I kind of, you know, I was, I was made to go to Mass, but I never really had a personal relationship with the Lord. And so as a high school student, and as a middle school even, Everything was all about popularity. It was all about like sports. It was about dating girls and just, pe just getting people to like you, okay? And so it was always like I would do whatever the crowd wanted me to do. I was a people pleaser. And so I did, and now it's different. Now it's different. Now it's different. Now I'm a Jesus pleaser. I don't care what you think about me right now. I really don't. I just want to give him glory. And whatever I do, whatever I say, whatever, anything, I just pray it gives him glory. If, it, if I look like a fool, I will be a fool for Jesus Christ all day long. I do, I do not care. I want his reckless love, and that means I've got to be a little reckless. I've got to get out of myself. Get out of myself. I was so selfish. And when I went off to college, it was still about me, 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 me. Some of you can sing that song. You remember that? Do, re, me. See, see, my song was me, 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 me. It was so annoying, right? So annoying. It was all about me. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to join a fraternity. I'm just going to party. I'm going to just 
go with the crowd. And I went with the crowd and I began to drink at an early age and I drank way too much and I partied way too much. And I ended up getting the consequences of that. I ended up going to the hospital three different times due to alcohol-related incidents. Three different times. And, and you think I would, I would learn from a, a near-death experience. I actually had a time where I was wrestling with a brother. My head hit the ground, hit the cement, split my skull open. They had to put staples in my head. And while they were putting the staples in my head, my heart stopped for eight seconds. And you think I would have learned after that, right? But I didn't because the crowd still wanted me to be party at them. They still wanted me to go out and have fun and get crazy, right, just to please other people. And so I continued to do that. And then I got a DUI, ended up drinking and driving. And, and thanks be to God, I didn't get anybody. No one was injured in the thing. My heart was definitely injured. And I remember when I was sitting in the drunk amongst a lot of other men where I was just kind of like, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an elementary special ed teacher. That's what I was studying for. Why am I here? I shouldn't be here. And this shame kind of came over me. And then I was like, there, something happened in my heart in that, that rock bottom moment where I realized, I mean, it's just kind of like the son where he came to his senses. I came to my senses. I said, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot continue to live the way that I am living right now. If I do that, I will end up probably killing myself or injuring someone else in the process. I need help. And you know what? And this is faithful parents. There's some faithful parents out there that's been asked. You've been going to church your whole life. You have got a faithful relationship with the Lord all the time. I had to, I thought about happiness, and what came to mind was my parents. My parents were so happy. They didn't know anything about the faith but they believed in God. They believed in the Lord. And they would always tell me, Adam, place your trust, place your problems in Jesus. We'll take care of you. And I just remember that. And I, go, I, I want that happiness. I want to be happy. I want what they have. And so I decided in that moment, I said, and I felt this, this feeling like erupt in me, like this, this uh, like water, living water, like you hear in John 4, that just kind of came out of me in this desire, this thirst for the scriptures. I wanted to know about this Jesus that my parents kept placing their trust in and telling me to go to. His little heart is screaming it right now. Thank you. Can I get a high five? Yeah, thank you. You can give me a high five. I know you can. Woo, girl. All right. You're going to have to ice that down. Good, good, good. Yeah, and so this, this, all of a sudden this thirst came. Do you want to you preach with me? Want to preach with me? Come on, let's go. All right. Hey, there you go. You can see so much more up here. This is what God does with us too. You know that? When we let him take us in his arms, all of a sudden we see from a different perspective, huh? Right? Right? You, you begin to take on what St. Paul said, that heavenly perspective. I'm seated in heavenly places. And then when you're seated in heavenly places, this is a tangent right now. When I'm seated in heavenly places, then all of a sudden my problems look a lot smaller. When you're starting to work from heaven down to earth, it's a lot easier from earth to heaven. Right? So, okay, that was a tangent. So this thirst, this thirst, and I was like, I just want, I just, I just want to know this Jesus. And so I was a broke college kid. All I had in my, in my, uh, like my fraternity house was this old burnt down bar piece. It was a part of a bar. 
And so I would sit and have my breakfast right on top of this like bar kind of thing. And, and, I, and I said, well, I'm going to have breakfast, breakfast with Jesus. And so I began to read the scriptures. And I read through the whole New Testament. And I heard, and I, I heard of a God who loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And I said, if you're willing to give your life to me in this way, I'm willing to give my life to you in any way I can. And I began to radically give my life to Jesus. What does that look like? Well, you know, when he tells his disciples to, to leave everything behind and follow me and give up all these things, I began to do that. I went through my clothes, girls. I went through my clothes, first of all. And I'm like, I started getting rid of all my clothes, the extra shoes, the extra shirts. I only had like one pair of pants and a few shirts, and that's about it. I'm, I'm getting rid of everything. And I began to give, get rid of everything. I began to pursue him in different churches. I, I didn't care what church I went to. I just wanted to be with Jesus. I wanted to be around people that love Jesus. So I went to all sorts of different churches all over the place. I went on mission trips. I went to Mexico. I just wanted to experience Jesus in a profound way. And I did. I did. I did it through a community of believers who taught me a personal relationship in Christ, which I did not have or did not cultivate when I was a young Catholic boy. And so I started this personal relationship. I started eating the scriptures, gnawing on the scriptures, just delighting. Just like if you sit down at a, uh, if you ever go to a rich restaurant, you ever go to a rich restaurant and you're like, you see, you see, I mean, you pay your money for that dish. You know what I'm saying? It's like 20 some bucks. And you're like, I am not going to scarf this down. I'm going to eat this very slowly and take all the flavor in. And that's what I did with the scriptures. I began to eat the scriptures to devour it and, and begin to grow in my relationships with uh, other community of believers. And then Eventually, I became an elementary special ed teacher. I taught for a couple years. I coached football, basketball. These are just some side things, really. These are just some things that I thought that God was calling me to. God uses all of that, and he's using it all right now, thanks be to God. But I thought I was called to be an elementary special ed teacher. Lo and behold, God said, you're going to be teaching, but you're going to be teaching about me. And I thank God for that. And you're going to be coaching. You're going to be coaching for me. I said, I like that team. I like that team. That team ain't going to lose. That ain't going to lose. You know what I'm saying? Coached some teams that were bad. Woo, man, that was not good. But this team will not lose. And so I'm super grateful for all that. I began teaching, and, and I loved it. All of a sudden, I, I ran into a pastor, a Methodist pastor, that he kind of sat down with me, and we were lifting weights, and he's like, you know, Adam, you need to find a home. You need to find a home. You need to find a home to grow in. And I understood that. As an elementary special ed teacher and as a teacher in general, you need consistency in your day, don't you? Yes, you do. And you need consistency in your spiritual life, too. Yes, you do. That means waking up every morning and having somewhat of a routine, some sort of a, a, a schedule, a rhythm of life where Jesus is in everything, everything. So I knew that, and, but I didn't have that because I was going to all these different churches. So I began to seek truth. I started asking all the questions like, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? What's going on here? Why do you do this? And I started asking these deep questions, and I was just not satisfied with some of the answers. I wasn't satisfied with some of the answers. Many people, they were like, it's just scripture alone. And I was like, well, that's, I understand, I guess. And then you read in the end of John's gospel, and it says, listen, there's not enough books 
in the whole world to write about all the things that happened with Jesus. And I realized that there's tradition too. There's something more there too. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then other churches were just like, ah, it's all just faith alone. It's just faith alone. I'm like, well, that's cool. It is, man. Faith is everything. It's, it's, but but St. Paul says you can have all the faith to move mountains, but if you have not love, caritas, this act, this, this way in which your faith is so dynamic, you actually got to live it out like James says, right? And so I started, there's something more, there's something more. Some more. And then I finally went back to the old Catholic church, went back to the old stomping grounds, walked in and I said, you guys, that's idolatry. That's wrong. That's wrong. Started pointing my finger and stuff like that. And then I had this one uh, young woman, actually, she was probably about 27 years old, came up to me. And she, she's like, hey, do you want to sit with our family for Mass? I said, sure, yeah, you know, whatever. And she took me up to the front. The front. Listen, if you're just visiting the Catholic Church, that's the last place you want to go. And you know what? When you go to a Catholic Church, the back row's always taken. Everybody's ready to go. Everybody, as soon as it's, as soon as it's you know, blessing, boom, boop, see ya. And so I went to the front, and she had brothers and sisters. Come on, Really? What did I just step into? And then I find out that she was studying theology at Dallas, Texas, and her sister was also a sister, a religious sister. I'm like, are you kidding me? Come on, God. And so I had all these questions, and I went to them. I just asked them all the questions. Why do you guys worship Mary? Why do you do this? All these stereotypical kind of questions that, like, I didn't know at the time. And she gave me answers. She gave me answers. And all of a sudden, I came to this moment of truth where I was like a dog with his tail between his legs. I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> now what do I do? This is true. And I just remember the moment where I just fell in love with the church. First, I fell in love with Jesus. Then I fell in love with his bride, the church, right? And then when I fell in love with his bride, the church, I decided, you know what, Lord? I'll do what you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, however you want me to serve. He called me into youth ministry. He called me into serving at the altar. He called me into doing all these things. And I just felt there was something more. There was, you ever have that feeling where there's something more you should be doing? Well, I had that. And, I, and then all of a sudden, someone came up to me and, and they asked, like, you ever think about a priest being a priest? I said, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and all I have ever seen is like old retired priests ones that you kind of got to help up the altar and stuff like that. that. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I don't really see it. Then I went to Steubenville, Ohio, and that kind of shook me up. I'm like, whoa, what's these young guys? And it just kind of made me think like maybe, 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 maybe this is something God's calling me to. And I remember praying in adoration one time, and it was just this moment of clarity where it just, yes, Adam, take a step in this direction. I'm calling you here. It was absolutely frightening because I had a job, I had a place, I had things going. Things were going good as a teacher. But the Lord said, I've got something even better. I was like, oh, I like that, Lord. I'm a little scared. Kind of like every disciple that follows Jesus, they're, fill, they're filled with fear and great awe. We're afraid because they're like, I don't even know what he's going to do next. But you're in awe because every time you keep stepping with him, you see something incredible. You see a miracle. You see all these things beautiful happening. And there's one thing that I learned later on in the seminary. And I learned about the Holy Spirit. Because when I grew up and when I was kind of into the Catholic thing for a while and all that, it was, it was very like, you need to deny yourself. You need to, to, to confess your sins. And, and 
and it's all about the cross. And yes, it is. It's all about the cross. But man, there's some resurrection up in there too. You know what I'm saying? There's something more because it's not, that's not the end. That's not the end. Been forgiven of your sins when you go to a priest, when you when you ask the Lord Jesus with sincere heart and you say, Lord, forgive me your sins. Good, I'm empty, but He doesn't want you to remain empty. He wants you to get filled. Amen. Yeah. Look at that. There's a smile. There's a smile. He wants you to get filled with His Holy Spirit. And then I started learning more about this, this Holy Spirit. That it's He's not just someone to make you feel good and comfortable inside, but He's actually here to empower you. To have you move in power. And just as Jesus moved in the world, we're called to move in the world. Because the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives in us, brothers and sisters, and he wants out. He wants out. It's, it's time to, like, don't keep him closed in. Stop saying in the, staying in the church. Get out and move in power. Move in power. And so I started learning more about the Holy Spirit, about moving in power, about what Jesus commissioned his disciples to do. What did he commission his disciples to do? Miraculous stuff, crazy stuff. He said, go, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead. I said, raise the what? Yes. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know what? I was just playing about that one. He didn't, he didn't say that. He did not say that. He's given you the power and the authority to do the miraculous. He's waiting for a willing heart to say yes to what he wants to do in the world. We need to step up as Christians. We need to let that Holy Spirit out. Bill Johnson, one of the guys I, I, I kind of follow out of Bethel Church in California, he says, there are many unbelieving believers. <laughs> you believe enough to get to heaven, but not enough for heaven to come and invade your life, Right? And we're not just called to get to heaven. We're called to bring heaven down to earth. We're called to look up in heaven. We're called to pray, to seek the mind of Christ. Like my brother was talking about, seek the mind of Christ. What is your mind? What is your will, Lord God? What's it like up there, Father? And then bring that down here. Jesus said, I only do what, my father, what I see my Father doing. He's given us a model. He's also said this, I only say what I hear my Father saying. We need to have one ear on the world and one on heaven. We need to keep seeking his mind. What is it you want to say, Lord God? What is it you want to say? What is it you want to do? How do you want to move through me? How do you want the spirit to move through me? I do not want to be a barrier to your Holy Spirit. I do not want to quench the spirit. I do not want to stifle the spirit. I want the spirit to flow out of me like a river. And I want other people to get nourished by that water. I want people to grow as I continue to flow. That's what I want. I don't know if you want the same thing, but that's what I want. And I believe that God is ushering in a time of consolation. There's, there's the scripture passages that I've been reading and just been like all over my mind and constantly God keeps bringing up is Isaiah chapter 40 and onward, the book of consolation. And it speaks about something. I just want to read it really quick here. I don't really have a stand, so I know my Bible's on the ground. No one throw rocks. So Isaiah chapter 43, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. That's a word right there. I like to forget about the COVID stuff and all the junk and gunk that's been happening in the past here. Racism and all that, all that junk that God does not want. Forget that old stuff. 
Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make it a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Some of us feel like desert. And God has got a river that wants to flow. He wants to flow through you, living waters. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Woo, Isaiah, get it. Isn't he good? Spend some time in that word right there. Seriously, the consolation is coming, and it's going to come through you. God's waiting for you to say yes to what he wants to do here on the earth. He will not force it. He's waiting for you to just, all you need to do is say yes. You don't need to have the abilities to do any of this. We just need to have a surrendered heart, one that's willing to to allow the Holy Spirit to move us to do things that we naturally couldn't do. That's what brothers and sisters, it's a free gift. And it's being gift, given to you right now. The good news is, is that God has given us the authority to go and do the miraculous. And in the Garden of Eden, so we start from the beginning. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. This is the good news. This is the story we need to communicate to our people, the good news. Adam and Eve was in, were in the garden. And God said to Adam and Eve, go, subdue the earth. Rule it. Have dominion over it. Pretty much, in a sense, expand the garden. Expand the garden. From day one, God has been on the mission of evangelization and expanding the garden. So he tells Adam and Eve to go. Expand the garden. Go claim things. Have dominion over the earth. And then something happens. They lose faith in God, that he's a father. They want to be like God, which they were already like God, but they fell into temptation. In the same keys, we could call them keys, authority that God gave Adam and Eve in the beginning, they gave up to Satan. God gave them the keys of authority to have dominion and rule over the world, and they gave those keys up to Satan. And so Satan ruled the world for some time. Jesus even says in, John, in Luke chapter 4, he calls Satan the prince of this world because we forfeited the keys to Satan. And so God had to send someone to kick Satan's butt. And you know who that was? It was Jesus. Jesus came, and upon the cross, he died for us, died for our sins, made atonement for the sin that we committed, that broken relationship that we had with God. He mended it through the cross. He brought us back together with the Father. He took those keys from Satan, and then he gives them to us. In Matthew chapter 28, he says to his disciples, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that I have taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He now gives you and me the keys of authority to go and have dominion over this world for Christ. Begin to claim things for Jesus Christ. Expand the kingdom. He's given you everything that you need. Everything that you need. I'm gonna, I'll end with prayer. And I just want to invite 
everybody to, to get into that posture again. Come on up, you can pray too. To get into that posture where we just kind of place ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And just like I, Joseph was mentioning, he mentioned a little bit about imagining Jesus before you. I just want you to pause for a moment and just, just to imagine, allow your imagination, allow the Holy Spirit who speaks through our imagination to give you an image of Jesus. This is something I do in prayer all the time because I don't want to just, I'm not praying to nothing. I'm actually praying to a person. And the Holy Spirit shows us the face of Jesus. The Holy Spirit shows us the face of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, show us the face of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We praise you, Lord God. Thank you for your face. Thank you for ruling over all of our issues, all of our problems. Yes, Lord Jesus. Come with your power. It's you who promised that you would send the Holy Spirit upon us, the spirit of truth, the spirit to lead us into all truth. Show us the Father, Lord. Bring before you all of our issues. And we're tired of trying to do that on our own. We can't do it on our own anymore, Lord. We need your solutions. Father, I love it that you are in heaven and you're not worried about what's going to happen in the world. You already know the end of the story. And the story is good. The story is good. Thank you, Lord. You have defeated sin and Satan. You have every solution to every problem we have. Come receive the solutions. Come receive the gifts you need. Come. There's so much here, he says. I've got an abundance. I'm just waiting for you to ask. I love it in John's Gospel, chapter 14 through 16. He gives us, he writes four blank checks. He says, ask, and I will give it. 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 Ask. Ask. In John's Gospel, chapter, chapter 4, the woman at the well, she's at the well, and Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked, and he would have given you living water. Living water. If you knew the gift of God, you would have asked and God would have given. Brothers and sisters, we need to know this Holy Spirit, the gift of God. We need to know who he is. We need to know the power that he has available for us. And we need to ask, ask for it. Ask for more, ask for more of his presence. And he will give it. He will give it in abundance.
love is reckless. He's recklessly pursuing us. And I want to just stay in this anointing. Thank you, Joseph. Stay in this anointing right now, right now. This is where we need to be. I've learned in prayer that sometimes, you know, we rush through prayer to get to somewhere else, but this is where we need to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because when you're in the presence, what else is there? What else will you, what else do you need? You don't need anything else. Nothing else. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but him. Jesus Christ seated on the throne above your problems. He's reigning above it all. Everybody say he reigns above my problems. He he reigns above my problems. You know there's something that I've learned in worship is is and I learned it from King David. King David, he was both a warrior and a worshipper. You can be seated. That's all right. That's all right. You can be seated. He was a warrior and a worshipper. But I found out that guess what? I can fight battles. I can fight wars by worshiping. By worshiping. And there's a quick there's a there's a way in which I enter into worship and I want to do it right now with you. I want you to join me at into the presence of God because in Psalm 100 verse 4 or 3, one of the two they it says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise praise so you begin with thanksgiving and then as you thank him you begin to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him all of a sudden praise erupts out of you that's how it works it's kind of like uh you ever been old school campfire you know and you had the stick and you're like right right and you have to like thank you thank you thank you thank you and all of a sudden boom a flame comes out of it and so we're going to do that right now and i know some of us maybe catholic maybe we're not used to speaking out loud or whatever i don't care this is where the reckless comes in right if you want his reckless love upon you you've got to be a little reckless yourself you know what i'm saying you got to be a little reckless yourself and so i want you to just kind of enter into worship right now we're going to begin to thank him begin to thank him little small big thank him thank him out loud i want to hear it i want to hear it i want to hear it thank him thank you jesus thank you for this breath lord thank you for my family thank you for my brothers thank you for my nephews my niece thank you lord that we get this chance to worship you thank you jesus thank you thank you and then as you thank him just allow yourself to get to this point of praise where you just say we adore you lord we glorify you we worship you. You are mighty God and prince of peace. You have a name for every need that we have. I I'm hungry, Lord. I am your hunger. I am your food. I'm thirsty, Lord. I am your drink. Lord, I need strength. I am your strength. Thank you, Jesus. Come, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. And and if you don't even know what to say, just begin to speak in tongues. If you can speak in tongues, fine. If you can't, ask for that gift and just just worship him. Worship him worship him thank you jesus we glorify you this time is yours jesus holy spirit this time is yours interrupt interrupt all you want lord i've got a, i've got an idea but your idea is so much better lord it's always so much better and so we give you this time interrupt but in lord come on in come on in we worship you we glorify you Thank you Jesus. Jesus, if you feel peace, if you feel joy, if you feel that rest upon you right now, that's the presence of the Almighty coming upon you. Just begin to thank him for that presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
I met a brother and sister before tonight began, and he humbled himself and he asked for prayers. I know I'd be comfortable with this. Let's magnify those prayers. My brother Rick over here, his wife Karen. And uh, I already prayed over you, brother, but um, I'm going to hand it off to Father. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask for your blessing upon your beloved Son, Lord God. You are the divine physician. You are the great I am. You are the healer. That is your name. Make manifest your name upon him, Lord God. May your presence reign within his body, Lord God. I asked you when you came, you had a level of pain, 0 to 10. You said 3 or 4 or something. Where are you at right now? No pain at all. Negative. <laughs> glory, glory to you, Jesus. Glory to you, Jesus. Is there anybody else that needs healing? That's why we're here. The Christian body gets together, right? We come together. We break bread. We pray. And this is a part of that prayer is the, the Lord wants the body to be made whole. That's why he died so that we can be made whole, that we can be made one with the Father, restored. Left hip. Okay, so Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask, we ask for new salsa dancing hips. New salsa dancing hips, Lord God. Lord, we pray that he begin to dance for joy, just like David did before the ark. Yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Healing upon his hips, Lord God. Does he feel any different? I'm zero right now. Zero pain in his hips. My brothers and sisters, we got a new salsa dancing gentleman right here. Right here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Good, good, good. The God of the universe fashioned our hearts for his indwelling spirit. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in him. Join us at oneheartonecity.us. What an amazing program you just heard, Father Adam Maher from the amazing Saginaw Diocese. I asked my son Joseph, actually, as many of you know, is a missionary down at Damascus. Can you name a revivalist priest? That's the phrase that I use. Can you name any priests who are just evidently in the game, evangelizing, contagious, love God, communicating the gospel, touching hearts? And the first name that came to mind was this young priest, two years, uh, ordained Father Adam. I just want to remind myself (laughs) um, and our listeners how much our priests are in need of our prayers. Mm. You know, it's easy, I'm sure, to get caught up in the administrative duties as, you know, everyone has experienced and talked about, but just at the core, what it means to be a good, Mm -hmm. holy priest. You know the degree by which we are languishing Your passion is the supply Mm, of that poverty. Loving boldness, both words, very important. Loving, kind, boldness, but bring that truth. Demonstrate your love of Christ that we know you have. And the world needs to see us alive in that joy, in that delight, in in giving witness. So we just encourage you. So for the balance of this hour, uh, which is a short period of time, and I want you just to think about poverty economic injustice, racial things going on, marriage issues, abortion, everything we can possibly think of as a malady, this quote from Pope St. John Paul II puts it in perspective. The future of humanity passes by way of the family. The future of humanity passes by way of the family. I can't say it, we can't say it strongly enough that if we get love, sexuality, marriage and family correct, everything else 
will will be ordered correctly to God. We will see uh, economic um, s- sufficiency, if you will. We'll see kindness in the realm of racial relations. We'll see outreach to those who are poor. We'll see, you know, abortion will diminish, regardless of the law, because they will encounter their dignity as women and fathers and sexuality. There will be a transformation that corresponds to the prayer we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Marriage again icon of the trinity genesis 127 the world is starving to see the face of god to know god and that icon that provision from god is husband and wife in right relation radiating that love of god that's what our movement is about image trinity we're at a time at the end of the year i do invite you to consider please partnering with us you can go to massimpact.us see the donate button we ask you to please join us because we're seeing it happen we're seeing reaching thousands of people in general ways but in particular ways there are a good number of marriages and families who are on board with us going deeper one such of those examples took place this past weekend we've been doing what we call mission one marriage retreats by the way this phrase mission one to describe this, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. Mission one is God's love in marriage and family. And we've invited couples to take these weekend experiences of discovering that and living it fully, but not just for a weekend, but a context to grow and journey together. On JP2, we love you. Um, that quote, you know, the future of humanity passes by way of the family. I was listening um, to, surprise, surprise, some talk radio, political-wise. No. And um, the the host, who shall remain nameless, he was speaking just of that truth. Like, there's so much, obviously, going on everywhere. He underscored mm. that it all comes back to the family. Mm. We need to reclaim our homes. We need to reclaim our families. So it's just interesting, even in the secular world, hearing that phrase over and over and over again. And we cannot, you know, diminish mm. the truth that it is. Every single issue going on there, mm. there is an effect from the home, from mm. the family. So good. And we need to reclaim that. You know, certainly we need to be involved in things and be voices out there. And mm. But if we're not looking in the mirror in our own mm. homes, in our marriages, with our kids, adult or under the roof, we're missing out and we're not being faithful to where the Lord has called us to be. When we discover who we really are, there's a joy-filled delight. We want to do it. You know, when you think about that first love with the woman who is now your wife, in my case, her husband, when you think about that joy-filled delight, it wasn't a chore to sacrifice yourself. Now, obviously that matures over time. And I honestly think the same thing still exists for me. And I know for my wife to continue to sacrifice self and it deepens a delight. I think we're a society that kind of gets stuck in the infatuation stage, not only in relationships, but in our faith with God, right? It's like, if it's not, you know, exciting or dynamic or dramatic we're always looking for the latest you know high the dopamine hit we've reduced kind of an entertainment culture we've tried to package it uh in religion and faith and when we get past that original weekend you know we're let down instead of saying you know there's more take the step deeper and discover that so we're all about that journey structuring it with pastors 
And we do, among other things, again, ilovemyfamily.us is where you can on-ramp that. ilovemyfamily.us, join us. But we do these weekend retreats that I would describe as kind of a 2.0 version. They're for couples who've already been maybe on a marriage encounter, Crisio, Chirp, they've encountered Jesus, and they're generally united in wanting their homes to be places of ever-deepening encounter with Christ. If you feel that, this is for you. And they're asking the question, what does it look like? And what kind of support can I get to go deeper with other people, to experience this adventure together? We are so excited about doing these. So we've been blessed to have really dear friends who happen to have, in one case, a home up north, way up north in Michigan, who let us use their property to do these retreats. Six or seven couples to get away and do this. Such a blessed occasion. Mm-hmm. First time, uh, a newer, uh, um, not newer friends, but really dear friends. First time we've, they've let us use their home on a lake. And uh, it is such an amazing occasion that they already um, have established an atmosphere in their own family of joy and delight and all that it means to be family. You feel it. You experience it. Your arms, Those arms wrap around you. So to use that um, beautiful home on the water was such a profound experience for these couples to get away from their homes and go deeper in this. So Steph, with the awesome Father Jeff McBeth and six <laughs> amazing couples from his parish, what was your experience? The Lord... Um proclaimed such power and graces through these couples just by their yes. Mm. So interestingly enough, also, and here's a huge shout out, accolades, standing O to Father Jeff Macbeth in particular in his community there. So they, we've been journeying together really for mm. six since, years. Yes, yes. Fresh Father Macbeth is constantly promoting um, mass impact the live it get mm. the live it gathering guide to his parishioners to his school families um, they've had their monthly ignites where amazing things have happened they um, do a novena prior to the ignite just for the Lord to bless it and draw people who are meant to be there you know and that he works profoundly in their lives and for them to have an openness to that so and I could go on and on and on so but so already having that soil so much tilled. <laughs> so we did parish mission three night for Father Jeff. Very awesome for the parish. From that, we identified some who responded and said, we want to go deeper. And we uh, engaged them in seven weeks of going deeper. And from that emerged a number of really awesome couples who still mm-hmm. do it to this day, years later. But um, one in particular emerged five years ago that, and we've shared this on the radio, I'm not talking outside of their permission, they've, they've shared this, their marriage was on the rocks. I mean, six beautiful kids, they had a number of miscarriage little souls up in heaven praying for them, but they were on the rocks and they experienced this. They said yes to the um, the event that we did in the parish. They said yes to the seven weeks that followed. Now they're disciple-making couple mm. family. They're so delightful over four or five years. Literally, they've touched dozens of couples and gotten them on a track in a context of support and encouragement. So Steve and Lorna Finley just love you guys so much and that you've been such a catalyst with Father. So what an awesome image that it's not just the pastor alone, but to identify a couple. And then two, three years ago, the awesome Waskoviches uh, joined them as also uh, a kindred couple with them who now share that and um, has created even more, if you will, of a backbone in that parish to um, to reach even more. So those two then couples with Father Jeff identified the other couple participants with the goal of what? Opening the doors to encountering Christ in this adventure in our homes, to be kindred and journeying together. So through this weekend, we go deeper in the kingdom alive personally, 
then the kingdom alive in our marriage, then the kingdom alive in our family, overflowing to the kingdom alive in our world. And also many of um, couples in Father's Parish um, have been involved in different lit groups over the years, including some of these couples also. So I felt like, again, it was just such a... a um, ripe <laughs> uh, opportunity, you know, so just like they were ready to mm-hmm. go. Um, you had mentioned using uh, our dear friend's home, and that's something very unique and special, I think, that we feel very strongly in to do these retreats in the context of a home yeah. and also so that they can more readily associate it with their own homes, mm-hmm. that this is not something that needs to be necessarily a getaway moment or, you know, something that was just for you know, that place, but like our homes, our homes, our domestic churches and what the Lord calls us to do there. So, you know, so we, you know, have the participants. We were so blessed to have Father with us for the, for the weekend to be our spiritual guide and um, comic relief. And (laughs) I could go on and on. Um, Well-rounded, just spiritual, fun human being. His love as a father for his children and very much wanting to be a part of that. Great discussion, great Mm -hmm. conversation. It's also... The tough things, right? The edgy, poignant things that we think about, but don't really talk about and get benefit from In a context of of love and um, support, you know, to kind of work through some of that, those things. And also um, just to go deeper and figure things out better. And, you know, the wisdom that each of those individual individuals brought, but also in their marriages and, and just in that, you know, sharing of that. Also, we, you know, see as very important, just that chill time, you know, in the, in the regular ordinary places of life, you know, sitting around a fire you know, playing a game, helping in the kitchen, preparing meals mm-hmm. or cleaning up. Like those are some profound moments that the Lord can use both there and again in their own homes. The time that um, couples could break off and have that time mm-hmm. together. Which they rarely take even right. in their busy, ordinary lives. Good Catholic couples. When's the last time you really had an opportunity to break away and talk about meaningful things that really challenge you and encourage you? So, you know, just all of those opportunities were such a blessing. And um, again, just incredible graces that flowed um, that flowed from it. Loved the conversation, loved the prayer. Too often in our church, we focus on presenting ourselves as holy. So we see the facades and others see the facades of us for an hour on Sunday. But to get past the, the, the surface and give permission to be real and recognize we're all on the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And not to diminish that standard of holiness. In fact, that's our focal point, but to do so in a way where we look at where we're at, what delight and joy to connect with other brothers and sisters married and for them to discover Christ is in that. Mm-hmm. Like life, death, resurrection, Pentecost, Christ is in the midst of our circumstances. We celebrate that. So I want to say... um. The whole goal really of this overall, if I were to punctuate it, is that we discover in our ordinary circumstances, the custom designed retreat, God's custom designed retreat to draw us into greater intimacy with himself. I'll say that again, that we look at our jobs, our work, our world, our, our kids, the, the logistics, the demands, everything of our ordinary life. Look around you now if you're at home or at work, wherever you're at, that is custom designed by God, a retreat for greater intimacy with himself. So to open up that vision and anoint it 
among couples to look at their lives through the lens of God and realize we are here right now operating in a meaningful, intimate way as a part of God's plan with our hearts fixed on that eternal glory. So one other thing I want to say also is, you know, the whole um, or the old phrase to grow small, right? So even Mm. though there's, you know, we took as many couples as we could comfortably fit in this beautiful home um, that we were so grateful to use. But there's something about that small number, you know, to, mm-hmm. to have that um, more intimate connection and, you know, conversation that everybody can be a part of and the different prayer experiences mm-hmm. and games, like the whole thing. Um, we're so blessed in this particular part of our ministry to grow small. So, we look at what we've done with St. Peter's in particular in Huron and how that is so much the case. Just the the amazing effect that these couples that we've been blessed to work with over the last couple of years, they, the overflow, right? We're not mm-hmm. called to stay in our Catholic hot tubs or, mm-hmm. um, you know, our comfortable places and keep it to ourselves. And they've gone out, mm-hmm. they've invited Missionary. others. Yes. You know, they see what they've been blessed with and they can't help but Taking share it with territory. others and knowing that they still need that support. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, that context is still there, whether it's with this specific group or as they grow and form their own groups, it's just been such a blessing. And again, we just have so much gratitude for father Macbeth in a mm-hmm. special way. And he has helped us in a lot of this formation, kind of figuring a lot of this stuff out because of, you know, great conversations and mm-hmm. um, critiques, if you will. And it's been refined. It's matured yes. to respond mm-hmm. directly to couples today. Again, who've had that encounter with Christ and desire to live it out, to discover the adventure in their marriage and family. So if you're just tuning in, just to recap and uh, package this a little bit, Stephanie and I uh, have been on these airways for over five years, Ignite Radio Live. It's an integral part of our nonprofit movement, Image Trinity. We are called to image the Trinity. It's our nature. It is our ultimate unsurpassed nature to image the Trinity Three persons pouring themselves out for one another. Christ revealed to us the nature of that sacrificing self for other. We're all about making that adventure accessible, flowing from the sacramental life. You can find out more at ilovemyfamily.us. We do encourage you as you're hearing my voice right now to make that commitment in your home. When's the last time you gathered your family together for a time of talking and praying a small, simple step in this month of Our Lady. As we approach the end of this year, as we look at the debris that's around us, do we not need to bring our families together for meaningful time to literally discover God alive in our marriages and families? Well, we make that possible with this Live It Gathering Guide, new every week, opens with fun questions, meaningful questions. And I would submit to you that the greatest challenge is just deciding to do it. It's like the Polar Express. It's getting on board. It's making that decision that you're going to, this week, you're going to set aside sacred time as a family, put aside the devices and everything else, and let them have fun beverages or snacks and lead. And it will be awkward. Dads, I encourage you in particular, certainly moms joining, it will be a little bit awkward and tell them that, hey, kids, I've never done this before. I know we've prayed the rosary or we've been to mass and it's all good, but we've been challenged. This guy, Greg and woman, Stephanie, challenged us on air to do this. We're going to do this. Find the gathering guide at ilovemyfamily.us. It corresponds to this Sunday's readings. I promise you, if you do it faithfully, it will be one of the most meaningful, powerful things that you've done in a long time.
I just want to revisit what you had mentioned earlier, Greg, also the whole hierarchy, if you will, that it has to be our relationship with God first and foremost, right? Personal. And then with our spouse, that relationship in our marriage, Mm. united in him, that second rung, it can't be separated from our personal connection with God. And then family, right? Like that is the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then the world, which means our parish, which means our work, which means everything else that that means. And it's been interesting over the last number of years, our own experience talking with couples, but also more and more with different priests who um, see that one of the big links missing is that prayer time with between spouses. And so, again, I think that was highlighted this weekend, the importance of that. You hate to say it, so many people who are, you know, even involved in parish activities, many of them will admit, well, I I don't have time to pray or I didn't take time to pray even personally. Mm -hmm. So that is first and foremost something that needs to be addressed and encouraged, right? That is the key. That is the foundation. Nothing else matters outside of that. And then for some people, you know, it's a little easier to, you know, praise God, they're praying with family. You know, they'll do the grace before meals. They'll pray Mm -hmm. a rosary every now and again, hopefully going to mass together. Those are all beautiful, important prayers. Um, So you have that. Many, most perhaps don't go beyond that. And that's where we're blessed to share the Live It Gathering Mm -hmm. Guide, right? To help encourage that. But I guess I just want to speak to couples out there. Please, 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 we encourage you, take and make or make and take that time to pray together as a couple. Certainly, you know, rote prayers are beautiful. If it is praying a rosary together or holding hands and praying in our Father or reading some scripture together, but we encourage you so much to go even deeper in that, to let that be the springboard of, you know, praying from the heart for each other, thanking the Lord for specific things that you see in your spouse for the things that he or she does for the, those ways that he or she um, is open to the Lord's grace pouring through he or she to you, um, whatever those needs are, that is what is going to build that foundation even more deeply in your marriage that can overflow to your family in a more profound way. And then certainly to the world. As we're coming in for a landing here, so great that you are with us, Greg and Stephanie Schleter, Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. You can hear our past episodes at IgniteRadioLive.com, a number of really phenomenal ones over the past weeks. But I want to throw at you as we land here the word ritual. Like, what does that evoke in you, in your gut, when you hear the word ritual? It seems stuffy, right? It seems just mechanical. I don't like ritual. But now think about this. Think about... Uh, your athletic teams for you or your children. Think about business. Think about academics. Is there anything that we accomplish or succeed in that is not without ritual? That is some kind of guide, some kind of vision, some kind of form that we we acknowledge. Learning to play a piano, right? You start out with simple rituals and it gets more sophisticated to the point if you pursue it, you become really, really good. Maybe even a concert pianist. The same model is for everything in life. Why do we exclude discipleship in marriage and family and faith from this consideration? So I invite you to think about how have you ritualized encounter of Christ in your home. We like it for retreats, right? We like the guide. We like some formality to it with the breakout. Yes. 
Live it gathering guides are a way, simple way to to bring a ritual that will help you more fully discover God alive in your marriage and family. Let me just say this. If my back was pushed against the wall to identify the number one hinge that distinguishes Catholic families whose kids are dynamic when they leave the house and continue to live it and own it versus those who do not. So again, there's anomalies here, but the number one thing I would say is this. Those that succeed have fostered relationship, an encounter with Christ woven into all they do at the heart of religion, at the heart of ritual. They've made the time, they've asked the questions, they've opened the door, they've been accessible, they've had apology and forgiveness, they've had a culture of all that it means to be relational. They've gone deeper than just logistics and getting us to the places we need to go and maybe common entertainment time. No, they've set aside sacred time beyond the rosary, awesome, beyond novenas, awesome, to really eyeball to eyeball, connect with one another and ask meaningful questions. Now, as I say this, I'm a student of it. You know, I'm far from it. Ask my kids. I I am far from fostering this, but it has been important from the moment my wife and I first met as friends, dated, marriage, into this, you know, home culture. And the degree to which we've done it, this is what I want to leave you with, the degree to which we've made time, ritualized time, to talk and pray meaningfully has been the degree to which we've seen tremendous things happen in our children for them to discover who they are in Christ. discover that all of the gifts they've been given are occasions of worship of God. And home is a place, the primary, the fundamental, the unsurpassed place where that takes place. Nothing else will replace that kind of relational encounter with Christ in your home. And we exist to journey with you in that. So go to ilovemyfamily.us. Get on board, commit to the seven-week Live It Gathering Guide, and uh, there's so much more down that path if you're interested, this Mission One Marriage Retreat. If you're listening as a pastor and you want us to help you rock out your parish and see this grow, contact us for that also. Please keep us in your prayers. And again, as we're approaching the end of the year, we certainly appreciate your prayers for the continuation and advancement of this movement and your financial partnership. You can find out at massimpact.us donate button. We rarely ask for that support but we do rely upon you to be able to do what we do, to keep pouring ourselves out and encourage others. Thank you so much. God God bless bless you. you.